Hello folks, and welcome to Music Seeds, the music that made us. I am your host, Johnny. This episode is part three, a four-part episode with Mr. Jeremy McCree and Jack Miller. We go down the rabbit hole of vinyl collecting versus streaming, taking the time to listen to music, listening to the catalogs of music, different venues, including Red Rocks, the U2 possible performance next year at Red Rocks, Depeche Mode, Duran Duran, Mark Ronson, the TV show Roadies, short-lived and very loved, another TV show called Super Pumped, and the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame and its performances. I hope you enjoy this. If you'd like to get a hold of us, please listen after this episode, where you can learn how to do so. Without any further ado, here we go. Hi, this is Johnny. I'm your host, and you are listening to Music Seeds. The music that made us. I know where that's coming in, yeah. you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, I know yeah, that yeah, I have yeah. the back of my hand. Like, yeah. That's a vinyl. And we talk about vinyl since you guys are collectors. I don't collect vinyl. Um, I don't have... I don't want to say I don't have the time, because I could always make time to listen to it, but to me, it's more of a convenience thing. Mm-hmm. I like the... I love the convenience of... Having it on my phone or computer, and there yeah, it is, and yeah. sound quality's improved quite a bit as far as compression rates and yeah. all that. So I'm, you know, I'm not that much of an audiophile. Everything has to be on, you know, 65 grain vinyl and all that. But at the same time, I remember listening to my vinyl records back in the day, yeah. and there was that little skip or that little pop in there, and it's that was part of the song for you, you know. Yeah, and, that was, and, there's, and there definitely is. We all talk about the warmth of vinyl, and it's definitely true. If you don't believe it, then you don't yeah. have. You're not listening to your records properly. Yeah. There is that, but I think it's still kind of funny because there is songs you listen to later on, and you don't you miss that right. little like little snippet, a little whatever, or it's gonna you know it's gonna catch right here, you know, on your your copy of the record, you know. Well, here and I'm gonna bring up two things about that is that we've talked about this before too is that it forces you to listen to something in its entirety. And enjoy it yes. instead of being. So you don't able. have to enjoy it, but yeah, right. you, it's, 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 it's hard to skip a while. Yeah, you can't. I can't. <laughs> well, here's the thing: it's like sometimes you listen to things, going, "Wow, I didn't realize this fucking amazing track was on here," because it's one of the one, obscure ones. You know, and, and what happened to me? That happened to me with uh, Ozzy Osbourne's uh, no, uh, no. Uh, Diary album, Diary of Mad Men album. Yeah. I heard this track on the radio. I heard Tonight on the radio one time. I'm like, wow, that's a great song. What the hell's that on? Yeah. I already own the album. I just, for some reason, I never even got there. Like, I stopped listening to the album at a certain yeah. point, or I, you know, whatever. I picked the needle up something until I realized, I'm like, oh my God, what an idiot. I felt like an idiot. That was the first time I, I caught myself going, mm-hmm. that was my fault for not, you know, shame yeah. on me for not exploring that entire record, you know? And one thing, once the production on this this podcast builds up and I actually have hopefully someday a studio is something I used to do when I was back at home and use that place for a studio is that I would have records playing before the person would show up and then I would say, hey, pick something out. We're going to listen to it before we start the show. And there's nothing more than going through stuff and going, wow, you have this. I want to hear this, you know, and then listening to that, you know, even if we just got to the first side and we get to the second side, mm-hmm. when you just sit back, it's a good suited, you know, good uh, music system. I've exploited my, uh, the catalog, you know, that's the other thing we talk about with streaming that, you know, the, um, I, uh, that's, I love the fact that there is a vast catalog and I can go 
and pick out something or use Alexa or whatever mm -hmm. and say, yeah. hey, play this, and there it is. Yes. And I love that. Instant, instant gratification. That's yeah. part of it, yes, but I mean, like, there's bands out there that can't say, well, don't get me wrong. I did it last week. There's an example is there's a band called Killer Dwarves. Yeah. They had an album called Dirty Weapons. I know. I know. Yeah. Love that album. I don't know how people feel about it. I love that album. <laughs> and it was like, I, I go, hey, Alexa, play Dirty Weapons, you know, or play you know, Killer Dwarves. And there it is on what, and it takes you back. We're talking yeah. about that. Things like that. And I've been doing that more. I've been trying to go back and listen to things I haven't listened to in a while that I remember listening to, you know, um, Galactic Cowboys, yeah. you know, things like that. Even one track. I'll go and listen to the, you know, pull up the album, listen to the one track I liked and put it on my favorites and things like that. Yeah. That's, and you know, to have access that, I, I'm going to use something and to have access to something like that and then have somebody like me or any of you guys that have access to that I was hanging out with somebody last weekend and we were hanging out for a good couple hours and they're like oh we we're talking about music and they're like oh do you don't know no, I have an Alexa and I'm like oh, <laughs> so here's me like we're sitting here having conversations and everything I'm like Alexa play this and then I'm like, think, I'm like sitting there having a conversation I'm like well this song's almost over what's the next song going to be and I kept on doing that and they're like that was really fun. They're like, you, like you're like a DJ almost. And I'm like, because I was trying to turn them on to different things, but yet playing like the things we knew too at the same right. time. So you talked about Beastie Boys earlier mm -hmm. uh, and Paul's Boutique. Yes. So uh, I came into the Beastie Boys game late. I was another one of those bands that are, I mean, when License Deal came out in '86, my friend let me borrow it on tape, and I absolutely loved, loved, loved listening to it. In '86, as an 11, 12 year old kid. But then uh, I wasn't a big fan of them over the years until Two of the Five Royals came out. And me and Shailene actually went and saw them at, at Red Rocks. So two or three weeks ago, maybe a month ago, I went on this kick where mm -hmm. I love, that's what I love about Spotify. I'm like, I'm going to listen to the entire Beastie Boys catalog. Right? I want to, I, I, when I have time, I want to be able to enrich myself in the aspect to go back and listen to bands that maybe 15, 20 years ago I did not have the appreciation for. And I listened to that entire, I listened to, I think I got through the entire catalog. Maybe I missed like the last album or whatever. Um, but I was a, blown away about how much I liked Paul's Boutique. And I probably heard Paul's Boutique like, you know, 30 years ago. Yeah. But not listening to it over and over again and not getting into it. And, and that's what I love about technology today. I, the instant gratification piece of it, but also the... the um, I can go and I can make that decision. Yes. I can make that decision yes. to, to, okay, I want to go back and listen to, um, I, we'll just use them as an example, Beastie Boys, I want to listen to the catalog. And I can go, okay, I don't like this. Because to your point earlier, listening to it on vinyl, uh, it does force you to listen to it. If I put a, if I put a record on when I'm working, mm -hmm. I can't get up if I don't like a song. So <laughs> I'm tuning it out. I have to, but it also forces me to get up. But it, it's, it's, also, it's forcing me to, to listen to it and to appreciate it, and because they took the time to make that, they took, yes, exactly. And we throw away and yes. dispose yes. music yes, so quickly now. Right. I feel that somebody put, you know, you may not like it, but they put their heart and soul, hopefully, into it. And there's a production to it, and there's a time element, and there's a reason why they wrote it, and everything like that. And we have so much stuff, and we just skip, skip, or I just want to hear the hits. So when you can listen to something from beginning to end in its entirety, it's a great feeling sometimes. We have the record labels to thank for that. Yeah. Because it's, you've got to produce a single, and we've got to get it out on the radio. Yeah. And in this day and age, you don't have to do that anymore. Yeah. You, you can produce a single, and that can be it. And mm -hmm. you don't have to purchase the entire album. But I think that that mentality 
comes from the record labels putting out yeah. singles, people buying albums, and not taking the time to listen to it. Yeah. We, I think we had we had this discussion last time. A CD or a tape wasn't so easy because you had to fast forward it. Yeah. But a CD was a lot easier. It was just pushing a button. But like, like yeah, I'm just repeating myself. No, no, I, exactly. You're, you're you're putting out there what you feel, and that's exactly what it does. It gives you the feels, you know. And to to make a note of that, you know, we were lucky enough, like you said, to have these labels that came to us because there was bands that I would probably have never listened to if it wasn't for that. That I remember when we were all working on, we were putting flat irons together. I don't think you were there, but you were there. Yeah. We were putting flat irons together up north here. Yes. And they introduced us to a band for the first time that is still to this day. Unfortunately, we mentioned them earlier as one of the people that passed away. It was Chester. It was Lincoln Park. They, they, they gave us these Lincoln Park samples, samplers, and we're like, hey, this new band's coming out called Lincoln Park. And I would have, you know, Lincoln Park, whatever. I'm Lincoln Park, Chicago. So we're going to think of that, you know. It used to have a good zoo back in the day. <laughs> and I remember that day and that time when I first heard that name. And now, to like years later, like this amazing well, band. Well, Hybrid Theory, when it came out, was the number one selling album of that year. Cause it, and it comes back to what we were just talking about. The emotion behind it. Like yeah. Chester and his lyrics, and you know, and that production value with that, with those, with those band members, you know, is just, you know. I hate to absolutely say this. To admit it, I don't have to admit it. I did not like Lincoln Park mm-hmm. until I went through a pretty bad breakup. Yeah. And my staff, Sam Goody and Breckenridge, probably could have fucking killed yeah. me. How many times I listened to that fucking album mm-hmm. over and over. Yeah. And over again, yeah. you know what I'm saying? Like, like I listen to it so many times, I don't think I can listen to it again today, right? But that emotion behind it, yeah. that emotion, like it was there for me. The next uh, second half is what I wanted to get. We kind of went into live albums here. Is there anything you wanted to wrap up on when it came to live albums? Uh, how about venues, real quick? Uh, there are certain venues, obviously, that get a lot of attention, and we're we're fortunate enough to live. In Colorado, the, a lot great, of great the greatest venues. natural music venue in, in the world, and even yeah. a lot of artists will tell you that, is Red Rocks. And we'll go on on Wednesday. So, yes, we are. And um, I can tell you from experience, and I'm sure you guys will agree, hopefully you agree, that no. any, sh- <laughs> <laughs> any show you see, no matter who it is, is automatically elevated by seeing it at Red Rocks. Um, and examples of that are, I saw, I've seen Duran Duran several times. It's my wife's favorite band, so we see them almost every time they come to town. Yeah. And they put on a great show. And we saw them at Red Rocks. It was a fantastic show for those two reasons. Number one, because they're a solid live band. Yes. But seeing them at Red Rocks elevated that show to another level. Um, and certain bands have recorded albums there. Yes. U2 recorded one of their seminal live albums yeah. there in Under Blood Red Sky. And have you heard the rumor? That they're going to come back to do an anniversary 30th, show? 30th, like was it 30th or 40th? 40th, 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 40th yeah, it's yeah. 40th. There's a rumor out there I've I've heard. Perhaps that, they'll light the torches again because as far yes. as I know, that's the last time the torches have ever been lit. So the rumor is is that they're supposed to do a 40th anniversary show out there. So I'm going to let that... If, it, if, if it's not, I'm going to put it out that there. Would be you know? great. Hopefully, <laughs> so maybe you know. Sometimes you yeah. make it happen by just putting exactly. it out in the universe. Yeah. Um, I'm hoping that's a uh, uh, that'd be great because I didn't get a chance to see them till later on in, the, in their career. One of the greatest um, live shows I've ever seen. I've seen them twice, mm-hmm. and they're excellent both times. And I've seen them with Primus, which is ironic, you know, like Primus, and then uh, 
Michael Franti's first band, Visible Heroes of Hypocrisy. Hypocrisy. Yeah, that was the first time I ever saw Michael Franti. Now Spearhead and right. everything, but yeah, that's those. There's shows like that at Red Rocks. Well, and Dave, Dave Matthews did a Red Rock show, mm-hmm. and this is way way weird. People are gonna go, you know, listen to who I am, and or people who know me are gonna go, what? John Tesh. Yeah, I saw. I was. That I was, was at humongous live album. I was at that taping. Yeah. I was there in that sh- in that audience for that, and it was a fantastic show. The guy's an yeah. incredible pianist. I haven't um, even heard thought about John Tesh in like thirty fucking <laughs> years. Since we were working for the record, store. I know. Like it's one yeah. of those artists. Like, but he did a Red Rock live, yeah. Red Rock show. My yeah. first Red Rock show, and also in my let's, list. Let's of, all talk about it. Let's do a real quick. Who was your first one? The Pesh Mode. Nice. With Nitzer Ebb opening up for. Oh, me. I love Nitzer Ebb. Saw them recently. And it blew my fucking mind away because I was a big Depeche Mode 101 fan from that documentary and live album. And that was like what, I, what tour was that? It was Violator too. Oh, nice! So it was Great like album. your hugest album. They've catapulted them. So what was your first Red Rock show? Charlie Pride, Kenny Rogers, and Gallagher opened. Wow! <laughs> Holy cow! That's awesome. That's what I've been told, anyways. I'm actually looking that up because <laughs> I, I, I'm actually looking that up right now. Uh, so as a kid, okay, and we're talking kid, like a child. Okay, so so I was born in '75, so this had to be sometime between. Probably 75 and maybe 81. I don't think so. It was probably between somewhere between 70, 75 and, and, and 80. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was a huge, huge Kenny Rogers fan uh, because of, of my grandparents, right? Yeah. And the gambler, right? I love, I love yeah. that. Going right. back to the influences we, we were right. talking about earlier. Right. Uh, I have been told that my dad, my, my mom and my stepdad took me to see them at Red Rocks and that Gallagher opened. And I've never been able to. I, every time I think about it, I've never been able to see that. That's to verify actually, it. To actually, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. To actually see if they played at some time back then. Mm-hmm. Uh, and um, we can come back to this because I would like to fine. verify. He's verifying but, right now. But uh, yeah, so that was like. But I don't remember it, right? Yeah. yeah. But I think it's, it's an amazing story, even if it's not true. It's oh, story. Yeah. It's cool to tell. But then coming back, uh, I moved back here in '96. The first show I saw at Red Rocks was. The Sex Pistols, nice. in '96, uh, and Gravity Kills, Gravity Kills open. open. Yeah, that was a and, that was a wow. they, were, they were good too. Gravity Kills was like almost. I mean, I was I somebody bought us the tickets. Uh, well, I had I had a couple younger cousins who were like you know eight years younger than me, so they couldn't go, and their parents bought tickets, and so me and a friend took them mm-hmm. right because we were the adults being you know 21, 22 years old or whatever. It, it was who else? I think there was maybe one other opening band. I don't remember. But Gravity Kills came out, and, and Gravity Kills had just, uh, they had just come out, they had, you know, I knew Sex Pistols, I was just going to go, but Gravity Kills had just had an album come out, they had a single on some soundtrack, I think. At the Guilty. Yeah, Guilty, was Guilty, the big, Guilty was, was a big, big single, was so big it was great, mm-hmm. Denver was playing the hell out of that song, Yeah. and uh, and they came out, and like, it was another one of those bands that like just... Yeah, they were, ama- they were amazing live. Right. Like, actually, they were, they were just needed right. to see. Right. For some reason, I'm not, not sure if it's true, you'd have to look on something else to verify, maybe um, someone out there in the ether knows it. I think an early version of Breaking Benjamin was the, first, was the opening mm. band. Yes, um, maybe. I think so. And that was prior, prior, to the, prior to Benjamin starting who we know them as now. Because 
let me do a real quick aside. Breaking Benjamin, for those who don't know, were a band, and then there was another band that was signed to a label. Benjamin loved them and said, hey, we should make music together. And they're like, hey, well, we're already signed to another label. He's like, no, we should make music together. So they dropped, the, they dropped their gig, got together with Benjamin, and now they became the band you know, all know. I had no now. idea. Um, mm-hmm. it, that's, that's the... That's the shortened version of it for those you want to dig into it I'm sure you can find it out there uh, on the interwebs but that's, that's yeah. I, and I want I'm not positive of that of them opening but for some reason the back of my mind is saying that they, and they weren't I wasn't a big fan of that version of the band I love Breaking mm-hmm. Benjamin now um, so yeah. just that's out there so you're talking about great experiences at Red Rock my first, my, first, my first band there now I'm late to Colorado I didn't move here until 84 uh, my first uh, Red Rock show was Joan Armatrading Oh wow. wow! Yeah, and it was Andreas Volenweider, who is a um, uh, harpist, was supposed to open, but it had rained that day, and he deemed it too dangerous to play his harp in the rain. Apparently, because he had to cancel, so it was just Joan, um, mm-hmm. and she was amazing. Yeah, I was a big fan of her Secret Secrets album. That's the tour I saw her on, and and her other stuff too. She was really really good. Yeah, I would definitely recommend her to people, like especially now with. Like, I was going to bring this up later, the Kate Bush resurgence. Yes. You know, like, there's artists out there that people don't know about that were part of our generation that... How people didn't even know Master of Puppets. Thanks yeah. to, but thanks to Stranger Things, it kind of you know, you got the yeah. resurgence, you know. And, I like, and, I, like, and I like that. I, I like that Stranger I Things, you know, even that remake of Separate Ways was really cool. That was really good, actually. Yeah. It set the tone. Yeah. yeah. So, but they, they did it with a lot of different music. I mean... But there's these artists, like, you know, like, that's, I think, one of my biggest things is, like, the Pesh Mode for me right now is, like, letting a generation know, like, you know, there we have our Duran Duran, and we have, you know, In Excess, but for me, the Pesh Mode, I mean, I was really into them when I was younger, and it's, I, I don't know if we'll be able to see them tour again now that Andrew's passed away, but... I would tend to think that they will eventually, because yeah. uh, as, as important as he was to the band, uh, they were already getting ready to tour, and um, I and it was a health issue kind of thing. Uh, so I think just like with uh, ZZ Top and Dusty passing away, I'm sure he probably they had a plan for that. Hopefully, yeah. yeah, they did have a plan for that. I don't want to speak like I know these people, but I would tend to think they had a plan. And I would really love to see Alan Wilder come back. That would be like this would be a great excuse mm-hmm. to do that now. You know, like hey, this person can fill in. He obviously was a part of our band, and you know, you could welcome back now. It's possible. Welcome. I've seen Depeche Mode several times, and and um, they're better. They were better after David got um, it's clean. So got clean, yes. Yeah. Because when I saw I saw them at the height of his uh, addiction, and it was a boring show. Not that it was yeah. a bad show, but it wasn't my the wife, energy. Right. My wife had stated how much they were, how good they were, because she had seen them several times before that, mm-hmm. and I got to see him. And when I got to see him, I was like. Okay, and she's like, no, that was not. Even she said that was not the Pesh Mode at their best. And a few years later, after he cleaned up and came, they came back out on the road. I got to see them a few more times, and ever yeah. since then, they've been they've been really really good. And something I like to see that you just mentioned like before is that I have not seen yet that's on my list of people to see live is Duran Duran, because they just did um, the festival a couple weeks ago in uh, Hyde Park. And I watched all that on YouTube, and it blew me away. Like, their stage show and their performance of their songs is at the best it's ever been. Oh, they, you know, that they're consummate professionals. They've been playing good live shows for, for a long, long time. Mm-hmm. Um, even, you know, back in the day when they did the Last Spider Tour with David Bowie. Yeah. Um, then people point to that as one of the, you know, that Duran Duran was one of the highlights of that show. Come on, you're playing with Bowie. If, you, if people still mention your name, yeah. that means something. 
Yeah, they're to me like, you know, we talk about boy bands and stuff. I remember a lot of girls being in love with like Duran Duran, you know. That's why my wife, I'm sure that's why my wife yeah. loved them because mm-hmm. initially because they're looking, but then, you know, and their poppy sound. But they're, but they were, you know, they've come to really mature as songwriters. And I think they put out some, even their later, their later career music. Uh, the wedding album and um, other and others from now going mm-hmm. forward have been really solid. And Mark Ronson, the producer I was mentioned earlier, helped make this last album, and I think the al- album previous to that, and maybe even the one before that. So uh, well, now Mark, they, they also work a lot with um, the guy from Chic. I can't think of his name. Um, they're touring with him actually right now. Yes, um, I saw him open up for him too, or he opened up for them in the last time I saw them as well at Red Rocks. The bass I, I follow. <laughs> I follow him. I follow him too. And there's people out there screaming at us yeah. as we listen to his podcast, going, "How do you not know this guy's name?" I don't even know. Who he produced. About. He produced the uh, David Bowie album. Let's, Let's dance. dance. So I found the Red Rocks playlist. There's only been like 1,400 shows in the in the past 45 years at Red Rocks, uh, and Charlie Pride and, and and Kenny Rogers is not on that list. So I'm asking my stepdad, maybe it was someplace else, or okay. maybe the Red Rocks list isn't correct. But I, I like I I've been told time and time again like that was like my very first show but I don't remember it and <laughs> and it's very specific because they said Gallagher open right that's a very specific thing that's right? a comedian right the, the comedian yeah, yeah, the watermelon yeah. thing right so so uh, we may have to table that but people don't realize that comedians used to open a lot of shows maybe, back maybe, in the day yeah. when I saw Asia back in the eighties uh, a, a comedian named Chris Bliss opened up for that show yeah which was odd so speaking of comedians opening up for shows. I saw in LA, um, it was in 93, it was uh, Metallica and Guns N' Roses. The stadium and, tour? Yeah, it was the stadium tour. Uh, so it was 93, 92, 93. So it was Metallica and Guns N' Roses. Uh, and Body Count was supposed to open up. But that was just wow. After, it was just after the riot. I saw so, them. So that, was, I, that was the Ice T less version of Body Count, too. It was not. Just, no, really? Oh, it was in Denver, it was. In 93? I don't give, I'm not very good with the years, but I remember that being that was after Ice T had left the band, but they continued on. I will have to, to I will have to argue with you, but I, and you could, you could be right. But I remember I that's his band. I understand that, but they've still done stuff without him. I don't yeah. think so. But it's neither here nor there. That being said, Body Count was supposed to, but that was the height of Cop Killer. So that was right after the riots. So Motorhead opened up. So, oh. but before that, who are those guys? Actually, <laughs> so I'm just kidding. Motorhead came out and played. And then at the set break, Andrew Dice Clay did a set. Oh, wow. And then Metallica came out, and then Guns N' Roses came out. That's something I definitely like want to look into further is I'll, we might have to make an episode of that like what um, comedians have opened up for uh, what what artists I remember uh, hearing that who was the one that opened up for Dana Ross some comedian was talking about that and anyway and they talked about how it's such a hard gig because yeah. I'm not here to see you make them laugh exactly you know or you talk about being heckled you know right but can you imagine remember, having thousands and thousands of people heckle you do you remember the HBO show that that one that was at Roadies or whatever it was called it was so it was a good. great show but remember uh, Mark Maron was on that and he yeah. was supposed to do like 10 minutes and he was doing like 45 and because yeah. he yeah, that one, that, that kind of cracked. Talk about cool. shows that fucking ended too soon that had so much potential. That was one of them, man. That that pissed me off so bad when Showtime dropped it. Yeah, they kind of, well, Cameron Crowe made it. They kind of blew it when they killed off the uh, Ron White character. And, yeah. Uh, I never watched that, but you did. we talked about it. It was very good. Well, because Ron White told that over two episodes, he told this great Leonard Skinner story. It was so it was fucking great. good. If you're an audiophile like us, oh, I did, that. that was the one was the cartoon was over. No? No. no. Not Rodies? No. No, was it, the one that was the... Lindsay Buckingham opened up for for this Halsey, fake band. Halsey was on there. Yeah, and um, it was... was so, it, uh, so they had all these different opening acts for each episode, which was really great, yeah. you know, and... 
But it was Cameron Crowe who wrote for Rolling Stone, made Fascinating the Ridgemont High, right. Say Anything, right. the, his story almost famous. Right. And he was like, hey, I'm going to make a show what it was like to be on the road with these bands and fictionalize it and take stories from my life and put it out there. And that's how they came up with that Leonard Skinner thing and all this other stuff. And it was like, my God, they were so good. And then Showtime's like, nah, we don't want it. You're not, you're, you're not producing the numbers like you should. And, and that's the way it works. Right? It happens. Yeah. One of the things I wanted to go down, we talked about, and that was uh, obviously the resurgence of Metallica and Kate Bush and all that because of the Stranger Things. But there is many shows that are out there. And I brought it up in my last episode. Or sorry, it's going to be previous episodes because <laughs> who knows where this is going to lay. Is that there's a TV show out there um, about the Uber, the creation of Uber. Yeah. And Joseph Gordon Levitt. You're going to love it. It's such called, a good. Uh, and what was it called again? It's a play on the name. Here. I'm yeah, gonna look yeah. It up. I'm going to look it up. So what about it? Pearl Jam does the entire music for the series. You're kidding me! I had no idea. Yeah. Oh, I did, I did know that. I'm sorry. We, yeah. We, yeah I so know Pearl that. Jam songs are popping up in the show all the time in obscure songs. Yes. So you're yes. like, if you're a fan, you're like, what the fuck? You know, you're like watching this. But sometimes that's what I, you're getting at is like there's movies and that, that tie into, you know, making, you know, really great parts in TV shows and movies and stuff like that. Super pumped. Super pumped. That's Super pumped. Yeah. yeah. And it's a great story about, it you know, is. everything they had to go, everything they had to go through to get that going. Yeah. Here's, that's a side note. And I always do these side notes things on here. What I want to talk about is, we just talked about Duran Duran, okay? But they are finally getting inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame this year. And I'm calling it the 80s Rock and Roll Hall of Fame this year. Because it's him, it's, sorry, it's them, it's Lionel Richie, it's Eurythmics, it's Bat Benatar, and it's all these bands that, you know, us coming from the MTV generation, that had, like, they had amazing music videos. And now... Watching our childhood, you know, and now getting like, I know people have different reactions about the Rock and Roll of AM and what bands should be in there and what bands are not, and we can go down a, a hate thing with I that. I won't go down a rabbit hole with that or take you down, the, you down the, the road this way, but I have to say I agree a lot with uh, Eddie Trunk when it comes to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame as far as uh, the method that's how, it, how it's determined and who gets voted in. Uh, and I'm, I would like to see some of, these, some of the more actual rock artists who have been shunned get a little more attention and get in yes. there as opposed to nothing wrong with Lionel Richie and the Beastie Boys and Eminem and some of these other artists who are getting in or been getting or who are either already in or have been nominated yeah. but there's some actual rock and roll acts who have been pushed aside and not and not yes. in the, and not in the hall that's 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 where I that's where I have a problem with it some people don't care I don't you know, I don't know. I, and I take it for what it's worth and try to enjoy it. I do as every, well. Because every year are, it's right, nice. Because there is, you know, and I, I like it when they actually do the, like, the big uh, jam at the end. Like, mm -hmm. you're, you're known for posting um, some obscure pictures with different artists you've never seen together. Yes. Yeah, like, you know, when you see, like, Tina Turner hanging out with, um, you know, um, Paul Jagger. McCartney and Mick yeah. Jagger or something. Yeah. Just these oddball comedy. And I love things like that when there's that crossover. Yes. So I love those when, the, when they do the super group thing. It's, it's a shame when sometimes they don't do that. But, yeah. yeah. But the I, Hall of Fame, it is what it is. Like you said, we can't. You know, we can't and you what know. sucks is that two years ago, because of COVID, they had to do everything um, through Zoom and through live stream. And we missed out on... Nine Inch Nails and Depeche Mode performing, which sucked, and you know, and that was one of those things where I was like, "Fuck," you know. But may, you know, maybe someday it'll happen again or whatever. Because who did Trent um, bring out last year? I can't remember. He he 
inducted somebody last year, and it was a pretty big deal. But it's in November this year. They're pushing it back. They're pushing back the Rock and Roll thing back to November. It's going to be, they performing it, not in New York this year, they're going to perform it in L.A. And I'm really excited to see these performances by all these artists. And, and there's a lot more that I'm forgetting, and I, I didn't write it down, but I just read that they're going to be having it in November because I want to go to one of these one year. I wanted to go to the Pearl Jam one years ago, but I would love to go to one of these one year and just be like a fly on the wall and watch this, you know, and see all these, uh, you know, great bands, you know, get inducted and in the stories they have to tell and stuff. I love the little video they do before it and they show it through the entire year and everything like that. But um, that'll be, we won't be able to see that probably out until the beginning of next year in 2023, though. Uh, oh, just so I, I was able to pull it up while we were doing this. So the 2022 induction is Beck, Pat Benatar, Kate Bush, Devo, Duran Duran, Eminem, no. Eurythmics, no. Judas Priest. Oh, no, these are all the, um, those no. were, I'm sorry. Yeah, these those are the, are the nominees. nominees. My fault. Yeah. And Judas Priest, going back to who finally are in there, They're... it's about damn time because... Yeah. Judas Priest is part of my holy trinity of heavy metal. Yeah. Yeah. Black Sabbath, Judas Priest, and ACDC. Mm-hmm. Those are the, 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 the points that of what, which all our, all our metals from. Yeah. And so when I, I guess what I'm getting at is that that's why I'm glad you brought it up because I wanted you to be the one that brought it up is that they're getting finally to that point where the, the voters and the votaries, and you can thank Dave Grohl too because I'm sure Dave Grohl probably had a little bit to do with that. Is that you're getting all these now these different people in the in the whole voting process that are pushing those people through like hey we haven't put the amendment here yet let's get them in here you know and like I think with Dave Grohl being in there with Questlove being in there he's getting a lot of the hip hop you know you know part of it and I know you know when people are like oh rock and hip hop's not rock and roll but it should be I brought this up maybe six episodes ago or whatever it should be renamed into like the you know. The music hall of the fame. Music hall, the music hall of fame. When you say rock and roll, just like okay, yeah. so you because you wouldn't see Judas Priest in the R and B hall of fame. No. So why is it okay to go the other way? It's Pat Benatar and Duran Duran, Eminem, Eurythmics, Dolly Parton, Leon, Lionel Richie, and Carly Simon. Yeah. And then there's the Musical Excellence Award, which is Priest, Jimmy Jam, and Terry Lewis, who are fantastic producers and definitely deserving. Yeah. Um, early influences are Harry Belafonte, Elizabeth Cotton. And then um, the Erdogan Award, or uh, Alec, Alan yeah. Grubman, Jimmy Iovine, and uh, Sylvia Robinson. And Jimmy Iovine has Jim, done a lot. And Jimmy Iovine definitely, yeah, is definitely one There's a great documentary out on him out there. Like he definitely was one of those guys that helped push artists you know, out there. But no, it's great to finally see Judas Priest get their due. And it's, you know, and here's the thing about, you know, all these different genres of music, you know, like... I, I can I can see Eminem could have waited a few years. I could see like even Nine Nails could have waited a few years. There's, there's several artists who are but in I am happy that there. they're being recognized. I don't understand at least, why even Beck was on there. What's that? I don't understand why Beck was Beck was nominated. You mean? No, I don't understand. That. I don't get it. Makes no sense to me whatsoever. Yeah, well, I, that's what we're talking about. That you know, and that's why a lot of people like yeah, Eddie Trunk and others have an mm-hmm. issue with the fact that there's certain. Um, seminal bands from the past who made it have in not even got in they've right. not even right. have been nominated right. let alone what is Carly right. Simon's getting in and like Carly Simon's been making her music for at least 30-40 years at least and she was one of the Brill Bill writers Brill yeah. building writers yeah you know, so. so it is it does take a while because they're now it's like because maybe you know they should have went by the 25 years maybe they should have went hey this is everybody that hasn't been in yet let's look at these artists and put them in before it happens but they're also trying to sell it for what it is 
So that's why they're trying to bring the popular music into it too. So it's a tough, it's a tough gig. But let me tell you right now, that is still one of my dream jobs is to, is to to work actually at that museum. Like I think that would be an amazing place to work and walk around every day, and I think it'd be fun. Have you been to the museum at Red Rocks yet? Yeah, it's really cool. Yeah, yeah, I like it. I actually went again a couple months ago. Nice. I went last year. Not last yeah, year. I went a couple of years ago. We went up there yeah. for the first time. It was yeah. kind of cool because I have a picture of me pointing to my first show. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a picture of that, and then some of the other stuff they have up there is really neat. So that venue alone is, you can say it's definitely one of the top five venues in the United States, easily. Well, like I said earlier, there's bands that will purposely do several nights mm-hmm. because it only holds what 8,000 plus whatever just under just over 8,000 people yeah. at its capacity so you have to see some of the larger bands won't play there because of that but the other larger bands will play several nights because they want to play there exactly and, you know, and like I said there's there's bands I've seen multiple times but seeing them there was a different experience when we saw um, Faith No More there it was a different experience yeah. I saw Def Leppard I saw Def Leppard like three times during that during the yeah. end of the round period and then they did a show at Red Rocks, and it was almost better than in the round because yeah. it was at Red Rocks. It was just, you yeah. know, something about certain places, you know. Mm-hmm. I've seen Dave Matthews there, Sheryl Crow, Tom Petty, Radiohead. I got to meet backstage because, you know, it was because of the record label. And I got to see them twice there. Jeremy saw yeah. 311 there. <laughs> yeah, we hung out with 311 there. Yeah. I know that and because... Michael Francie opened up. Wow, that's crazy. I, 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 didn't, I didn't, I remember, I don't even think we watched that's it. That's nuts, dude. Yeah. That's one of those things too. Like sometimes you get every once in a while, like you'll have like people combine together. Like you had no idea that would be touring. I got to see uh, they did specifically just for Red Rocks. It was Bonnie Raitt, Bruce Hornsby, Jackson Brown, and one other big name artist. I can't remember who it was. And there was four of them, like for that night, and they all did their separate sets, and then they came out and performed together at the end. Nice. And that's the kind of stuff I like. Is like absolutely, you know, like hey, let's go jam now, you know, and everything. Okay, folks, that was Mr. Jeremy McCree, Jack Miller, and myself. Part three of our episode of going down live music rabbit holes. I have one more part to do after this one. So that should be out soon. I hope you enjoyed it. If you feel like you need to get in contact with us, you can get in contact with us at ozomat87 at gmail.com. That's ozomatfan87 at gmail.com. Also on Facebook, there is Music Made Seeds at facebook.com. TikTok, Johnny Come Lately at TikTok. Plus Instagram under my name Johnny Evans or John Evans also the same thing for Snapchat love hearing from you continue to send me your input and you can also hit the subscribe button when you're done with this podcast today thank you for listening and if you could do me one favor please do your best to take care of each other out there until next time Hi, this is Johnny. I'm your host, and you are listening to Music Seeds. The music that made us. Hello, folks, and welcome to Music Seeds, the music that made us. I am your host, Johnny. This episode is part three, a four-part episode with Mr. Jeremy McCree and Jack Miller. 
we go down the rabbit hole of vinyl collecting versus streaming. Taking the time to listen to music, listening to the catalogs of music, different venues including Red Rocks, the U2 possible performance next year at Red Rocks, Depeche Mode, Duran Duran, Mark Ronson, the TV show Roadies, short-lived and very loved, another TV show called Super Pumped, and the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame and its performances. I hope you enjoy this. If you'd like to get a hold of us, please listen after this episode, where you can learn how to do so. Without any further ado, here we go.